are Talk about music. We've been, I know we spent quite a bit of time on that, and, and I'm not trying to be the dead horse with this, but um, we, we talked about a lot of the principles of music, what makes music right, what makes it wrong, and um, now we're going to kind of apply some of those principles. And um, <laughs> this whole series is what I believe and why and this music aspect is part of that, and I think it's so important because honestly, the average American hundreds of hours of music a year. And, uh, you know, we don't realize sometimes how quickly that adds up. Not I mean, just if you just sit in our church, you can hear hundreds of hours of music in a year, like you're listening before and after and everything else, right? And uh, so, and, and, and that's part of it, but I'm saying the music that you listen to on your own, uh, it, it really amounts to hundreds of hours of music. And the average American also has very little understanding of just how much that music uh, music affects us a lot, and what you choose to listen to really affects you a lot, whether you realize it or not. How many times have you found yourself humming a song, and you're like, man, where did that come from? I haven't heard that song in 20 years, you know, or, man, I, I don't even, I, don't, I didn't just hear it, I mean, where did, how did that song come to my head, right? But you're probably, even if you're just humming the song, you're singing the words in your mind, right, and they're going to affect you, so, that, you know, Adding insult to injury here with the average American, they don't have a, a reason for choosing their music other than I like it. Right? And that's what a lot of people choose their music on. I like it. It sounds good. It's, it's pleasing to me. It's appealing to me. I'm not saying that you have to listen to music if you don't like it, you know? Um, or, wow, this song is horrible. These people can't sing at all. But you tune to him, so I guess I better listen to it, right? I'm not saying that, but I like ice cream for breakfast. After I got up at 1 o'clock. That doesn't mean that I can have ice cream for breakfast after I get up at 11 o'clock. Very many times I'd rather go to bed than my house, right? And uh, there, there's, there's got to be some higher and better rationale for a choice of music. I like it. So I want to just talk about several different types of people in Proverbs. We're not going to we're not going to take the time to discuss all of this tonight. We didn't have any sense of Proverbs. Um, but the, the simple man that he talks about is not necessarily not necessarily a rebellious man. He's just ignorant, right? He doesn't, he doesn't understand. He does not even know what he doesn't know. The Bible talks about, and, and Solomon talks about, the foolish man. And you see this, the, the simple will do this, the foolish will do this, the wise will do this. Those are three, probably of the main types of people that Solomon talks about in the book of Proverbs, right? Simple man is not, he's not, he's not necessarily rebellious, he's just ignorant. The foolish man knows better, but he refuses to heed instruction. And then a wise man, of course, chases knowledge and understanding. And he, and he pursues it passionately so that he can make the best possible decision. And in the context of personal music choice, the simple man has nothing more to go on than I like it. Right? And it might be that he's not trying to be rebellious with his music. It might be that he's not trying to purposely listen to music that is not pleasing God or purposely choose music that is going to pull him away from God. But his choice of music is, I like it. I like the way it sounds. I love country music. I love rock music. I love whatever kind of music. I like the way it sounds. And he might not even sometimes know what he doesn't know. The fool knows that. He has been taught the dangers of the wrong kind of music, but he chooses to pursue that music anyway and ignore those dangers because, again, I like it. I like it. The wise man, obviously, he's certainly going to like his music, but he makes his music a pass, pass a whole lot more tests than just do I like it or do I not like it. Right? And that's, that's what we're going to try to focus in on tonight. 
Being a wise man when it comes to your music. Now, bear in mind, I'm not, I'm not of the belief that all of our music has to be spiritual any more than I believe that all of our time has to be spent in church. Right? There are secular songs that can be listened to. That, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with the words. There's nothing necessarily wrong with the music. All of your music does not have to be spiritual music. But I am saying that the scripture should inform our choices in all of those things. So, even if we're going to choose a secular song to listen to somewhere in, in the right setting or whatever else, does that music fit in with the principles that we're going to look at tonight? So, I want to give you six texts, and I know this sounds like a lot. We're not going to be too, too long on this tonight. But I want to give you six tests that your music should pass before you allow it into your life. And this might even be something that you want to write down, and you know, you got on the back of your bulletin there, you got a place for, uh, for sermon notes if you don't have anything else to write on. Um, but that might be something that's helpful to you to, to go back and listen to it again. Maybe if you want to listen to the sermon again later, or you know, at least write down and say, "Does my does Bill you get a pen? Yeah. Anybody, anybody want a pen or need a pen? I want to get a pen. All right, we got a few here, brother Bill. You can pass some those out. Just, just raise your hand if you come by. Somebody needs one, wants one. I'm not saying that you have to write these down. I'm just saying this might be something that you want to keep as as a way of looking at these things because we do listen to a lot of music. Music is so important, and it's literally going to drastically influence our life. So, it is something that we ought to take seriously. So, number one then, what does this music make me think about? What does this music make me think about? And I had to turn over to Philippians chapter 4, because this is where we're going to start. Verse number 8, Paul gives us a list of the type of things that we ought to think about, right? Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8, Finally, my brethren, what sort of things are true, what sort of things are honest, what sort of things are just, what sort of things are pure, what sort of things Lovely, what sort of things are good report? If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, right? So, true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report. That's the kind of stuff we should be listening to, right? Why? Because as a man thinks in his heart, finish it. So, so is he, right? Proverbs 23, verse number 7 tells us that. So, Paul wants us to ask ourselves, is, 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 is this music is true? Is it speaking the truth into my life or is it telling me a lie? Right? Because there's a lot of music that will tell you a full-faced lie, right? You can go have an affair and you can have a good time and you can have a one-night stand and you can enjoy it. Right? But the music is going to try to tell you a lot of times. Is it true? Is it deceiving me about some aspect of how I ought to live or love or learn or be or a thousand other things, right? Paul wants us to ask ourselves, is this music just, is it fair, is it right? He wants us to ask ourselves, if this music is pure, is it morally clean, or does it promote uh, uh, modesty and, and chastity, right? Those are, that's the kind of music that we want to be listening to. Paul wants us to ask ourselves if it's lovely. There you go, you like it, right? That's what he's talking about, and that's the case. But Paul wants us to ask ourselves if it's a good report. Is that the kind of music? Uh, and, and what speaks into my life, generally well thought of, does have a message of good reputation, right? So Paul wants us to ask ourselves if it's virtuous, does it contain a moral excellence? Does it ask if it's music that can be praised? Can you give your friends a good report about that music? Hey, this is a great song. You need to listen to this song. This is going to be good. Most of the time we don't do that, right? Why is that? Because we know. Um, I'm still thinking of a song that probably, you know, a thing that. I don't know if I want other people to know that I actually listen to the song about that thing, right? 
about a good report. Yeah. And I've shared this with somebody else and said, yeah, this is a good song. You need to listen to this. Right? That's what he's talking about there. So uh, can you tell God it's good stuff? Can you thank him for it? If you can't thank God for that music, then it's probably not something that God's pleased with. Right? Yeah. And again, you can, you can have a folk song. There's nothing wrong with it. You can thank God for the music. I'm not saying that every time you hear the end of the song, you can thank God for that music. But can you tell God this is good? Right? And God would say, sure, nothing wrong with that song. Go listen to it. Go listen to it again. Right? But that's what that's what Paul is talking about. Is this music something that makes me think about good, godly comments through just things? Second test. Turn over to Acts chapter 23. And with just about all of these, I've got one verse that we're going to look at. We could look at a lot more verses this evening. For the sake of time, I'm shortening it, and we're not doing a, a, a thorough study on music tonight. But I want to give you something. Everything that I give you ought to be based in Scripture, right? right. If it's not based in Scripture, then why are we saying it? Amen. So the second, the second test is, does it bother my conscience? Does it bother my conscience? Now, Paul said this in Acts chapter 23, verse number 1. And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Now, conscience as my only guide is dangerous. But conscience, uh, ignoring my conscience as a guide is foolish. If all, if all we said is, well, I don't feel bad about it. There's a lot of people that do stuff every single day that they don't feel bad about, right? Their conscience is not bothered by that. You rip somebody off and say, hey, it's this business, this is dog eat dog world, that's just the way it is. I don't feel bad about it. Or, you know, somebody else might say, I, I, my conscience bothers me when I, when I rip somebody off. I can't do that. You can't let your conscience be the only guy. So if you ignore your conscience as a guy, then that's a foolish thing to do. Now, I, I've had to make decisions in the past where not everybody knew the whole story. And I couldn't share it with others what I did know about. I know I've said to my wife a different times, my conscience is clear. You know, my conscience is clear. In other words, other people may look at this, that decision and accuse me of whatever, but when I lay my head down in the middle of the night, I know that I did the right thing based on everything that I knew about that situation, even though everybody else looking at it may not be able to say that same thing or may think something different. But like Paul said, earnestly beholding the council, men and brothers, I've lived in good conscience before God until this day. My conscience is clear in that area. So that's the sense that I'm using it in here. As you as we've talked about this over the past few months about the, the, the roots of music and the effects of music, you become more educated, hopefully, on those things. And knowing what you know as you listen to your music, does your conscience bother you or does your conscience leave you alone? Right? And I'm not saying that everybody that's not here tonight is at home sitting at a pin out watching Super Bowl. That's why they're not here tonight. But knowing what they've heard about what we've talked about when it comes to the Super Bowl and how important it is to be at church instead of sitting at home watching the Super Bowl in place of church, I would think that if, if I was doing it, my conscience would bother me, right? I'd be sitting there thinking, man, I really probably shouldn't be in church tonight instead of sitting here watching the Super Bowl. There's a million other things, and that's just a simple example, but there's a million other things like that, right? Once you hear it, and once you know what the right thing is to do, then the next time you go to do that thing that you should be doing, your mind says, I'm not going to do right. I probably shouldn't be doing this, right? What is it? Your conscience. And after you know the principles of music, and after you know what the right music is supposed to 
and what wrong music does sound like, can you sit there and listen to that song in good conscience? And if you can't, then that's a test. It's not the only test, but it's a test. If your conscience doesn't bother you where you think, then that's, that's, that's your test that you need to have to pass. Third one. And let's turn over to Proverbs chapter 19. What is the context of my emotional response to this music? What is the context of my emotional response to this music? Emotions are always, or almost always right or wrong, depending on their context, right? If I say, I hate fill in the blank, well, it depends on what I'm talking about. Am I talking about my parents? I'm not talking about sin, right? If I'm talking about my parents, it's wrong. If I'm talking about sin, it's right. Or, you know, talk about lust. Are we talking about your husband or your wife? Or somebody else's husband or wife, right? If I'm talking about joy, am I talking about having joy in the war or having joy in revenge? So when we're talking about emotions, context does matter, right? Because sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not good. So the question that we're asking here is, what is the context of my emotional response to this music? Now, music is an emotional language. We've cool. talked about that from the very beginning. And I, I, can, I can't help but respond to it emotionally. Well, what is the context of my emotional response? The emotion that it induces in my heart is it directed in the right way or is it directed in the wrong way? Because music is an emotional language, right? And you can hear some songs where it just makes you want to drop to your knees and praise the Lord for what he's done, right? And then there's other music where it makes you just want to run out and, and, and go, you know, let's that somebody has a problem with drinking. You hear this, you know, this country song that's glorifying that, and it makes somebody else get that taste in their mouth for that alcohol that they were trying to get away from, and they run out and they go drink because of that. It's going to invoke an emotional response, but what is the context of that emotional response? That's that's so absolutely essential because how I think and what I feel produces in me my behavior. That's what that's what our behavior is based on. What's the context of the emotion? How I act is directly tied to what I think and feel. We do what we do because we want what we want. So if I'm ingesting something that's instructing me or moving me or influencing me to act in a wrong way, then I'll stop listening to it. If I have a friend who's always talking about how easy it is to embezzle money from the church, even though I may have not embezzled money myself yet, I need to stay away from that person because eventually I'm going to say, man, that really is easy. Or man, that really was easy. Right? And it's going to move you in that direction. You need to stay away from the influences that are going to move you in the wrong direction. And music does that. Solomon said it this way under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 27. Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causes to err from the words of knowledge. In other words, if music is producing an emotional response that is not good, then stop listening to it. If somebody is coming along that's telling you that you need to do this and do this and do this, it's not good, then you need to stop listening to it. That's exactly what he's talking about. When music instructs us constantly. And as a Christian, I'm foolish to listen to music that glorifies adultery, that encourages divorce, that advocates rebellion, that celebrates drinking. And then let's keep going on and on and on about things that we listen to that most people, or I shouldn't say most, but that a lot of people listen to and have no problem listening to about those things. So is my music producing in me an appropriate emotional response? Because if it does, then emotional response is going to influence me in the direction of wrong and, and, and thus, I'm foolish to continue listening to it. So what is
context of my emotional response to the video. If you're making me do something that I shouldn't do, or pushing me in a direction of something that I should. Number four, might this music cause my brother to turn on the first energy you have to face? I'm not saying that you have to face all of this stuff, but Brian's going to stumble for me now. I'm talking about your brother, your Christian brother, right? Because that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 13. Wherefore, if me make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world stands, lest I make my brother to offend. Now, in this context, Paul is talking about the fact that God has given new laws, if you will. The old uh, law was no longer in effect. There was not really anything that was off limits. They couldn't eat or some of those things that they were not allowed to eat. And God told Peter, Arise, kill and eat. But Peter said, I can't do that. We're not allowed to do that. He said, What well, I said to you, do. And so, that law was no longer in effect. They could eat those things. But there were some people who were Christians who still held to some of those Jewish traditions. And Paul said, I'm not going to make one of my brothers offend, and I will eat meat the rest of my life if that's what I have to do. I don't want something that I do to make my brother to offend. Now, I don't mean offend as in bother me, right? That music is offensive to me. It could be because it sounds so bad, right? If my music bothers you or your music bothers me, meaning it's, it's ruining my concentration or it's, it's aggravating my peace of life. That doesn't mean that this text is failed. I'm not talking about offend in that way. I mean offend as in causing another person's spiritual walk to be negatively impacted or negatively affected. Leadership is influence. And all of us have leadership in some aspect or another. And it might be in a very small sphere of influence. But the more influence the Lord has allowed you to have over other people,
So I'm not saying that that every now and then it's not strong that you can find that would get a good song to listen to, a love song or something like that. But I am saying that you and I need to think about every influence we allow into our life, right. uh, not just from the standpoint of is it acceptable, but also from the standpoint of will this influence a weaker brother to make a bad decision. And along that line, I have to say that I'm I'm shocked so many times at what God's people will like on Facebook, what he right. And, and, and pastors, I'm saying, how do you like that? How do you share that on Facebook? Your people are seeing that. And you may be able to listen to something, exact weapon, and maybe it's taken out of context or something like that. But when you, what you post on Facebook, people are paying attention to Right? And I'm using this in the context of pastors. But think about how many people that follow you and know you're a Christian, and they may not be saying, oh, Jesus, fine. They're going to listen to it anyway. But they're going to say, wow, you listen to that? I guess it's okay for Christians to do. Well, I guess I must be a Christian, right? I, mean, no, I guess I'm not that bad. He's listening to that. He shared it on Facebook, right? So our influence, our influence is bigger than we think it is. And what we like, what we share, what we listen to is going to affect other people. And especially when it comes to our other Christian brothers, we've got to be so careful. And I'm not advocating hypocrisy or a double life. I'm not saying you're going to listen to it, and at least just listen to it in private and don't share it with everybody else, right? That, that, that could be what it sounds like. I'm saying I'm not. I, I'm, I'm, I'm advocating the same through what we pray and what we pray to for. This may be that what some of us can sense in a way of spiritual boundaries, other people cannot. And it might be that somebody somewhere along the line, some contemporary artist or, or, or some. Uh, uh, country music artist or something like that sings a song and you know you'll hear it in the jazz station oh, that's a pretty nice song and you go and listen to it and look it up and you say wow that's a great song what a wonderful love song that you can sing to your wife and play together with your wife or whatever else and somebody says oh well everything that that guy sings must be good then he's got all kinds of other stuff that's not and you might be able to as a mature Christian realize well the rest of this stuff is not good I'm not going to listen to that this one song is okay, right? Then somebody else seeing that might misinterpret that and say, well, everything that he sings is right. Well, look, the pastor shared a song by this guy, right? Or, or maybe you shared a song by this guy or whatever. So that's the case. You were wise to avoid any action or any condemnation or any expression to make spiritually damaged the weaker brother's spiritual life. And I can hear it now. Why? Well, I, I have Christian liberty. I, I, this is not about liberty. It's about discernment. It's about influence. Right. You are people, whether you admit it or not, whether you realize it or not, whether you like it or not, you are influencing other people. So, so it's about putting another person's needs above my own preference. It's about being conscious of their condition rather than my life. Can you listen to that song? Probably just fine. But if you listen to it, share it, talk about how great it is and everything else, and it's not a good song or, or it leads somebody else in the wrong direction, just be so careful about what you approve and what you Especially what you would like to share. We're, we're in a social media age, right? Everybody wants to share everything on Facebook and Instagram and all these. I, those are the only two that I know. I don't even know. I guess maybe Twitter is another one that I know. But um, I do very little with those things on purpose. Um, most people end up way oversharing, and that's when they end up causing another person to offend, right? And uh, so you just got to be so careful about that. So why should this music cause my brother to stumble? Last one, number five. Oh, I'm sorry, we have to say number five is this. Is this 
I'm going to Whoever else that they want to name it after is the world standard of standard of excellence. 
God's standards are entirely different. Right. I had a teacher that, that uh, quoted this little poem one time, and I never forgot it. Good, better, best, never let it rest. Your good could be better, and your better could be best. And that's what we're trying to do. If you're good, great. Now let's make it better. If you're better, good. Now let's make it the best thing we can possibly do. We want music that is excellent. I'm not talking about a standard or a quality or whatever else. I'm talking about music that before God is excellent. Turn over to Daniel chapter 3. Because Daniel is a great example of this. In Daniel chapter 3, I'm sorry, Daniel chapter 6, in verse 23, it says this, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because of his excellent spirit was in him. It's not a question of a bad spirit. It's a question of different grades of a good spirit, right? People that Daniel was being compared to were not bad kids. They were Israelites. They'd been trained in the same things. I think for the most part, they were probably pretty good kids. Daniel had this excellent spirit. His wasn't just good, it was not even just better. His spirit was excellent. And it's, it's in that aspect that we find, honestly, great error with the question that so often we ask when it comes to who's based in music. Is this music good or not? But what's wrong with such and such a song? Or what's wrong with this artist? I like that person. Just prove me. Just prove to me what's so wrong about that person. The question itself, it's just a logically Alex's question reveals really an, an awful philosophical approach to music. It assumes not just, just neutrality, but actual moral goodness on the part of the music in question. See, so it assumes innocence and then demands that guilt is proven against that song, right? Guilty until proven innocent. Nothing wrong with that song. You tell me what's wrong with that song. The problem is not that you're right to ask the question. The problem is that essentially it reduces to a minimum what's necessary to deem a song right or wrong, uh, or an artist, right or wrong, or a genre, right or wrong, is, is, is it acceptable? And then, and then it just proclaims victory. Well, you can't prove to me that that's wrong, so I guess it's fine, and I win. The Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, explicitly calls for us not to be satisfied with a minimum. If you could say, well, I can't necessarily say that that person's life is Something that we shouldn't follow, but it, it becomes pretty obvious when you're talking about many of your secular artists, because a lot of them have a lifestyle that are just, I mean, they're drinking drugs and, you know, uh, all kinds of the wicked lifestyle and everything. And we shouldn't be listening to those people. Even if they have a great song. Well, think about all the other songs that they've written. Think about how you're supporting all of those songs that they've written by buying their music and so on, right? But when it comes to artists, and, and a lot of times, honestly, contemporary Christian artists would kind of fit into that category too, because, well, you can't say that that person is out and out, you know, they cheated on their husband or wife, or they had an affair, or they this or that. You don't know anything about that person. You can't say that that person did anything wrong. But it's not, okay, we can skate along the edge of that thing as long as we stay within the line. Our job is not to try to walk the, the boundary as close as we can get to the boundary line, right? right? Our job is to get as close to the center as we possibly can, be as close to being like Christ as we possibly can, and be as close to excellence as we possibly can. Our music is not supposed to be measured by, okay, good enough. Our music is supposed to be measured by, is it excellent? Right? Is that going to push me closer to Christ? 
choices are never going to be arrived at by saying, what's wrong with this? Right? Thomas uh, Jefferson, not Thomas Jefferson, uh, Stonewall Jackson, Thomas Stonewall Jackson, but I think it's Stonewall Jackson said, if I have to ask my wife if the shirt's clean or dirty, it's probably dirty. I shouldn't wear it. And that's kind of the same thing with music. If I have to say, is this music bad? Tell me what's bad with it. What's wrong with it? Then it's probably not music that you should be listening to because music that is excellent becomes very obvious that there's nothing wrong with this music. This music is pleasing to God. This music is uplifting. This music is all of the other things that we talked about. So uh, we really can only get to excellent music choices by arriving. We can only arrive at an excellent music choice by asking the question, what's like it? I can say, man, this, this is right. This is good. This, is, this, this, this follows all those other principles. So instead of demanding that someone show you the errors of music, we ought to actively seek to establish your spiritual health. Does this music make me want to be a better person? Does this increase my capacity to feel and express genuine love? Does it teach me something excellent? Does it create an excellent spirit in me? Does it draw people together? Does it bring comfort? Does it, does it blend strength? Does it provoke me to good works? Does it cause my heart to well up Those are all questions that we ought to be asking. There's probably a hundred other questions that we can ask about that music, but is it excellent? Is it excellent? So I, I realize that, that all six of these suggestions are really suggestions. We could probably add six more. We could probably change these a little bit, but that's, that's okay. The independent Baptist movement could do with a few less musical gurus, if you will, approving everything for everybody. But I'm, I'm convinced that if, if we will actively seek to live by the biblical principle under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, that our music will be excellent, that our music fits into the six things that we talked about, that each one will lead us to choose correctly when it comes to music. And if we are desperately trying to follow the Holy Spirit when it comes to our music, the Holy Spirit will make us know whether it's good music or not. When you, and I think there's, there's kind of an ebb and flow, I suppose, to, in, in everybody's spirituality in life. Sometimes you start looking into a direction where you may not be listening to music that is excellent. And there are other times when you are actively choosing music that is excellent. And what happens is when you listen to that music and then you go back and listen to music that's not, it really sticks out. It's really noticeable. I can really listen to that. Is that what I used to feed my mind and spirit on? Then why is that? Because when you choose that excellent music and the Holy Spirit starts to really speak to you through that music and use that music in your life, then try to go back to the garbage. You know, it's, it's like the difference between buying a donut at Dunkin' Donuts and finding a donut in the trash can that's still edible. Right? It's still edible. Yeah, you can eat it, but who wants to eat a donut out of the trash can when you can get a donut from Dunkin' Donuts? Krispy Kreme, maybe we should say that with the hot side on, right? Top now side. Yeah, you could go find a donut in the trash can that's probably okay. But why don't you dig through the trash to find a song that's okay when you can just go through the drive through and get a fresh, good tasting donut that you know there's nothing wrong with? And honestly, that's kind of the way it is with our music. When it, when it comes to our music choices, why would I dig through the trash to find a song that is okay when I can? Go to the sources where I know the music is excellent and where it's good, right? And, and again, our personal music choices, we have to take them seriously. We have to throw out the, you know, the, the simplistic and dangerous, I like.
Maybe you have to pass a lot more strict standards if you will. Paul said it this way, prove all things, right? Test absolutely everything. Assume nothing. And then, once you've established your music spiritual health, then hold fast to that which is good. That's what Paul told us to do. Prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. Our music is part of all things, right? Isn't it? So prove all things, test it, make sure it's good, make sure it fits at least within these six principles that we talked about. Then once you've established, okay, this is the good music that I listen to, that I need to listen to, put it on a CD or put it on your computer or put it in your Spotify playlist or whatever you're going to do, then change your mind and spirit on that. Test that we can use to prove, and again, most of you love those sounds. Yes, we're well, really got five and six on there, but you know, you, you hear a song where you say, What does that person say? Well, the Bible says, Do you really match it up? And honestly, if you're in that point where you're saying, You don't know if this is okay or not, probably not. And that's why you're questioning it. If you hear a good song, you don't have to question it. I don't know if it's okay or not. Okay? But it, it all goes back to the fact that we all have good songs. We do. What we listen to is going to influence not just you, but probably other people as well. That's one of the reasons why, you know, contemporary music, we don't we don't listen to or follow contemporary Christian music or artists or anything else, but sometimes and, and what 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 we're seeing happening in a lot of these good independent fundamental Baptist churches is that they're playing and singing contemporary Christian music. Now don't have the drums and the guitars and all that stuff up there on the stage, and they're not rocking out to the songs, but they've taken that music, they've toned it way down, and then they sing it. Right. And in some cases, that may be okay, but what happens is, somebody that's a weak Christian says, wow, that was a really good song. I'm going to go look that up on YouTube. And then they find that contemporary Christian artist that sang it, and now they're rocking out to that song, and they're like, that was really great. Right? And that's what happens. So, everything we do influences Somebody. And that's why I'm saying that we have to be so careful. Even, even in our church, what music we play. Would it be okay for me to go or for even you to go listen to a, a contemporary Christian song that's been toned down and done the right way? Possibly. But then there's other people who, who are not as spiritually mature who won't be able to hear that song without really working up and then getting into that music that's not so good. So everything we do has consequences. Every musical choice we make is going to affect somebody. We need to make sure that we're choosing music that is not just good, not just better, but music that's excellent, music that's pleasing to God. Here's what I know. One of these days we're going to stand around the throne of God and we're going to sing music. Right? You think we're going to be rocking out before the throne? Doubt it. Doubt it. Right? You think the music before the throne of God is going to be excellent music? Absolutely. So let's start to practice the choir now. About that. That's right. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for how good you are to us and for the principles that we can find in the word of God. Thank you so much for the truth that we have as well. And I do pray that you help us to choose music that is excellent. Music that is going to lift us higher, that's going to take us higher toward the throne of God. Music that's going to be uh once farther on the throne. And I just know I can only imagine the music around the throne of God must sound like tonight. What it's going to sound like in eternity when billions and billions and billions of voices are lifting up the praise. Jesus Christ. I'm looking forward to that day. But God, I pray that you help us have music that's going to take us into that realm. Music that's going to take us higher. Music that's going to lead us closer instead of further away from Jesus. Music that's going to help our influence 
This is that's going to give us an excellent spirit instead of a, a rebellious spirit, a rebellious attitude toward, toward things of God or toward anything else. God, I pray that you help us to be as Christians, what you want us to be and what you need us to be. Thank you for all that you do.